College basketball friends, we got him. He's back. Evil, bald Colin is here. I'm Timmy Hall. It's good to be with you guys. Episode 46 of Mad About Hoops. It's it's crazy. We made it to the final four, man. I feel like I haven't seen you all month. What's been going on? How have you been enjoying the tournament here? Yeah, Tim, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't been enjoying it a whole lot because of two different situations going on with uh, money involved. I uh, I honestly haven't watched a whole lot past the first weekend because I've been so upset with it. What? Uh, no. Not, not, not a whole lot. Not really? a whole lot. That and, I, that and the uh, when you're a young man that's dating in the dating scene and weekends are really <laughs> the only time when you can go out, I hear I, uh, you have to make deals. So I, I choose to watch some of the more interesting games. So I skipped on like, like Oregon State Loyola. I chose that day. I think that was the Saturday slate of games, which were like not that good. Sure. They actually they actually ended up not being that good. But I chose that day. I looked at it. I was like, okay, the better games are on the Sunday. I'll choose the Saturday to go. Uh, we went hiking or whatever. So and those games ended up those those games ended up sucking. So this I was like, okay, that, that's great. That's great. I, I I then was able to watch. Uh, I think that was uh, Sunday was Gonzaga, Creighton, and whatnot. So I've seen a lot of the big games, a lot of the ones that are actually important to what we're uh, what we're going to see this weekend with the four teams. We have the Final Four, so at least I got to see those ones, the ones that actually mattered. Well, do not go anywhere, everybody, because we got him here, and I know he's got a lot of thoughts about the tournament so far, even from the games that he wasn't allowed to watch. He's pouring through highlights. The Final Four is locked. We'll have a Battle of Texas. We'll have the Zags trying to do the unthinkable and go undefeated. And UCLA, Mick, Mick has got a squad into the Final Four. So stay right there. Lots to talk about. It is episode 46 of Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it. It. He hit it. He, he, it. he hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh. Oh. oh! 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 Sent it in, Jerome! All right, like you heard our guy talking about there in the open, sometimes it's hard to take in everything that you want to take in with March Madness. It becomes a, a recurring problem every single year because life gets in the way. You have four straight days of basketball, and when you well, start it's dating... Just, it's also well, no. just, how the, it's just yeah. how the schedule's set up, too, with how they're setting it up where, like, one weekend it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday versus we would have traditionally just a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, weekend and week out uh, until you get to the final four. It's but, a compressed um, schedule, but it's kind of this. I mean, it's it's the same every year because it's just so much basketball. I mean, either way you slice it, those first four days, the first four weekends, or sorry, the first four days, the first weekend, it's 12 straight hours of ball for all right. four days. And when, like you said, when you start dating, when you have a family, and you and I do this for work too, so we are always thinking about sports, we're always talking about it, and then when we have the downtime, we have all these different voices, kids, wives, girlfriends, significant others, other family that want to do something, and it's springtime, the weather's starting to turn, so it's like you said, taking that hike, taking that bike ride, getting out of there, that's... 
I'll say this. It's the one reason why I love the super late night basketball because it's some of the action. It's some of the action where we can just sit back, relax, you know, maybe sleep on the couch after that game is done, watch a little bit of the, uh, what feels like inside the NBA because you got Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley who don't give a F about college basketball or learning any of the names until it's this time of year. But it's kind of a thing now and it's kind of funny, but I like those late night games because of those things I said. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a pick your poison with that. I mean, yeah, it does help that it's later in the day. So it's out of the way from a lot of different activities, but at the same time, um, I know at least on the East coast, it gets a little bit difficult when you're trying to stay up for the second half, starting at like 11, 10 and totally. it, it might be a sleepy game. Like I'm, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, like that UCLA Michigan game, while it was close, I mean, you had a hundred points combined in the entire game. Like it was, just, yeah. it was just kind of hard to watch. I can understand that people tapped out at that point. Um, even though I, I, I mean, it set up for a, a fantastic finish, but neither team really wanted to take a hold of the game. And it's just kind of whoever ended with more points at the end of it won it. No one really took the game. Um, but, yeah, no, I think the way it sets up, I think it'll help this weekend, especially for some people. It's a holiday weekend, so you got the Saturday games. And then I believe Monday, I forget what time the championship game is, but it, it still should be in a window where it should be appropriate for everybody involved. I think I think the championship game is at nine, nine flat. So it's not at ten. So that helps out a little bit. I, for the life of me, don't know why you can't just do a good solid eight p.m. like right at the start of prime time, and you're still ending it a little bit earlier because it's it's the last one. Like that's it. You own the day. Monday, national championship day. Football gets that Monday too to sort of own it. College basketball gets it as well. I'm hoping that we get Gonzaga and Baylor. I'll say that right now. And, you know, you'll we'll have to decide what reparation I've got to pay because we didn't really set something, but I was pr- I had a lot of bravado. I was pretty, uh, you know, I was puffing my <laughs> chest out with that claim that the Zags were going to go out before the Final Four. The, the other claim, though, was that they weren't going to go undefeated. So that's still in play, but I certainly did say – they're going to go out before the Final Four. My hot take was them losing in the Sweet or the Elite Eight, and it did not hit. It fell flat. I took a chance on it. The Zags are, are, have clearly impressed me. They've been a fantastic team all year long. Duh. They've been undefeated, and they're flexing right now. They've had a little bit of a softer run in their region. We can acknowledge that, but they are clearly flexing, and they have everything that you could possibly want. Front court, back court, depth, shooting, defense, intensity, and they know that they're good. They have a confidence and a swagger about them, too. It's almost like, and I said this when I talked to your buddy, Anthony Rothman. He, he joined us yesterday, and we did some Indiana talk and all that. I almost thought that someone rolled by USC's locker room, told them that they all sucked, and they had no business being on the floor with Gonzaga, and then they went out and believed it, and they played that way in the first 10, 15 minutes. I know the Zags do that to you as well. Yeah, no, I mean, they just play an NBA-style type of game, and I think that gets teams really uh, flustered if they're not on their game right away. But, uh, yeah, they haven't played a game within single digits all year, and I don't think it's going to happen the rest of the year. I, I, I fully believe this is a team that's going to make the run these next two games and win by double digits. I, I just think they're just that far ahead from everybody else. I do believe, like you said, Taylor's going to be the team that will face them. I don't believe a whole lot with the, uh, 
Houston's doing. I mean, they, they haven't played a single digit seed until this point. So we'll really see if they can come up and answer the, the yeah, bell on that. that. Um, but first time ever, first team to make a final four. Right. We saw that on, right. on the screen the other day to, to yeah. face just double digit seeds. Yeah. And we've seen some crazy stuff happen with paths that open up, but nothing like that. It just is, it's amazing to me. It's, they can have pieces of their game struggle in our first half and still co- score almost 50 points and a half. Like, it's just, it's that easy for them because what's weird about them is they're not very deep. They only go about seven deep in a rotation. Yeah. And it's really not that often that they rotate guys in and out. So six guys is pretty much majority of what they do. And they really don't have a whole lot of second line guys coming in. But it's just, they have such a system where, a guy like Kispert's playing down or a Yai's not playing up. You have a guy like Timmy or Nemhard or Suggs that can pick up the pace. How about and it Timmy? feels like it feels like they're not even skipping a beat. How good is Timmy? I mean I mean he's as good as as anyone on the block that you've seen in college basketball in the last ten years. And and he isn't the most physically imposing guy, but no. he's just he's everything that Gonzaga basketball has morphed into where you get this guy out of, where's he from Richardson, Texas, somewhere like that. I was about to say Texas. Yeah. yeah. You get a national recruit. He's somebody that is going to pass over schools where he had family ties to, to go be a part of what's been built, the juggernaut that's been built. And then you just get to the basketball player. He's got the handlebar facial hair going, which he's just rocking it like crazy. You got Kispert and Timmy are the headband twins and it's, I feel like this dude will score every time he touches the ball. Like, it's it's insane. Every time he gets the ball down there, whether it's a drop step move, whether it's a head fake, whether it's drawing a foul, or just the little up and unders, he's he's an incredible player right now. He's the best player in the tournament right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. His athleticism doesn't blow you away. He's, he's not, like, overly skilled, but he's just so found in his, in his uh, fundamentals, which is why I think he's so consistent with yeah. his play and why he's an averaging – I mean, he hops up from nine points a game up to 19, and that helps when uh, Philip Petrusev goes overseas and that gives an opening to that spot for him to move in and be the type of provider for this team. But it's, like I said, it just feels more of like a, a well-oiled machine versus the guy that's going to go out and, like, I don't see on this team a James Booknight or a guy that's going to consistently go out and probably get his own 30 on any given night yeah although Corey Kispert and Timmy and maybe even the Suggs could do that if they really needed to but the thing is I think they're just their chemistry and the way they play together makes it look like it's just so effortless I do disagree with you about the double digits I think Baylor will give him hell I I really do and that's that's only going to be probably like a three-point spread if we're being honest, don't don't you think like when if I that's could, the game that we understand. get to, I'd say it's probably Gonzaga by three, three and a half. And I would not be surprised if if Baylor wound up winning the title. I mean, they are they've been that deep team. They stumbled, you know, twice late in the season. But I mean, for a, a conference like the Big 12 and what they were, that's it's still pretty, pretty accomplished to go and do that. And th- they got a lot of dudes. I mean, when you start getting into the Flaglers and the mayors and you talk about swagger with that mullet that that dude's been rocking and vital down on the post he didn't have to score a lot and the uh the other forward uh to chew it to chew, I, I i'm gonna butcher the name because i've heard i've heard it said by the broadcasters I, a million times i'm gonna charles barkley the shit out of that to chew it to chaka whatever uh, his name is but he is a fierce player when he wants to be and I didn't even mention their superstars that they have either yeah they're they're an interesting cast and uh, I, I couldn't really figure out what they were when they came back from their COVID shutdown. I really didn't know if maybe their defense was just slacking 
Uh, how is that going to portray into the tournament? And for the most part, it's done pretty well. I, I, Arkansas had some few runs, which you're going to expect from any team of their caliber in that last game. But overall, they're very solid. I'm just curious to see that now they're going to face a team that's really going to show a presence down low. And I don't think they've really seen a whole lot outside of um, not even Wisconsin. I don't really think they had that presence down low. Uh, that's going to really challenge the guys of Vital, Flo Thamba, uh Chattachua, whatever the hell his name is. I'm not even going to try. Uh, um, he's great, though. But, yeah, no, Antoine Watson and uh, Timmy, I I'm just really curious to see how guys – and Mark Vidal, how are they going to handle that post presence? And Because I, I trust the guards. I trust Teague. I trust Flagler. I trust Butler. I trust uh, pretty much anybody they could bring Davion off the Mitchell. Bench. Don't Davion forget Mitchell. Davion Mitchell. He's yeah. – you ever seen anybody faster off the dribble, off that first step? He is no, a blur and, out and, there on the court. And that was what's so frustrating about that Arkansas game is I'm just watching him set up guys, and I'm like, why are you tight on him? Let, I would rather him shoot <laughs> get, the ball before. He's going to no. get two, the three steps by you. He's like, the defensive player, right? I mean, he's the all-Big 12 defensive player of the year. So, yeah, give him give him five feet of cushion, please, like if you know what's good for you because he wants to get that hop in his dribble. He wants to diagnose you, break you down, and lingerie on the deck. Just blow past you. Yeah, no, that's 100% his game. I would, If I was coaching that, I would obviously tell my guys to give him that space. And you know what? If he makes those threes on top of you, you live with it. Like, right. You can't just let him drive by you all the time. Right. So that, that, that's the game. So we've hit on pretty much everything in the Final Four, except for, uh, I mean, clearly we think it's Gonzaga and Baylor. Congrats to Houston for having this run. Kelvin Sampson, that's a pretty big storyline. And, and clearly UCLA to be an 11 seed. First four to Final Four. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And they, they had to they had to get by Michigan State in the first one going to overtime. And to do what they did, we, we talked about it. There's some criticism there for not having Chris – not criticism, but just an acknowledgement that they didn't have one right. of their good players. And they lost another guy that was key to them along the way. But Johnny Juzang and what he's done and these guys, Jaime Jaquez and Tiger Campbell, you got the all-hair team out there and – it's not a UCLA team of old. It's a long, long way from the dynasties of John Wooden. But just to right. be back in the Final Four with their program was spinning wheels. We know Indiana hoops would take it any way they could get it right now. So would we here at Ohio State. Yeah, no, this UCLA team is really interesting because I wasn't blown away by that when Ohio State played. They played a decent game against Ohio State, but I wasn't looking at this UCLA team and saying, wow, this is a – this is a team that's really a Final Four contender, no. even an elite eight or Long time team. ago, like, though. I, Neither was Ohio State. It was a State. long time ago. Yeah. And, yeah, Chris Smith, like you said, was still a part of this team. Um, Hawkins Jr. did impress me in that game that they played against Ohio State, though. I, I thought he was clearly their best go-to scorer in that yeah. game. He's got but good size, too, for what he does, the way he plays. Yeah, yeah. It's it's impressive. What And then you get the contributions of Jules Bernard, who actually uh, – turns out he actually had turf toe in that Michigan game so it's gonna be interesting to follow how that turns out and the final four for uh Jules Bernard but then Johnny Juzang it just it's a different level like I, I had one of my hosts today Anthony Rothman who you just brought up talk about it's like well why were you so down at UCLA at the beginning so well these guys really haven't been stepping up recently they lost four straight going into this they lost to Oregon State who is at this point really doesn't look like a bad loss anymore after making their run no, yeah. to the Elite Eight. Yeah, right. um, but this UCLA team as a whole, they weren't really putting the pieces together late down in, at the end of the season. And then it just kind of comes out of nowhere. It, you get one win against Michigan State, and it seems like 
I think they just rode a wave of momentum and they gained a bunch of confidence, at least in their shooting stroke, which really propelled them. Yeah, you know, and just to speak about the tournament just a little bit more generally here, and we'll, we'll, we'll get on here and we'll have a recap after the national championship game next week, and we'll, we'll try to enjoy this weekend. And clearly the whole thing being in Indianapolis, this will be, it feels like the, the one and only time it's going to be this different with how vaccines are out. Hey, congrats to you, by the way. I know you got your vaccine. I, uh, we're rolling here on April Fool's Day, and it's not a joke. It's not fooling. We wouldn't joke <laughs> no. about that kind of stuff. We're trying to do our part, get out there so we can get that herd immunity. April 1st here. I just got mine scheduled today, so uh, congrats Fantastic. to you. I'm going to go get mine started on Saturday, and I'm driving almost two hours to go and get it. That's, that's, Are how, you really? that's how badly I want to get it, and I'm wow. I'm tired of clicking on websites and trying to you know get the – get the beanie well stiff arm for no so i've been seeing a lot of red x's on the scheduling and the appointment sites if you know what i mean so yeah, found yeah, one no. way out of town and i'm going yeah no i totally get that i was uh i honestly just saw a social media post that uh referenced me to a health department that i called up got yeah. me in my first dose and then i go back in uh two weeks from now so yeah second great. one so it's a it's a it's a process yeah, I, I was able to get my second one right when I got the first one scheduled. So three weeks, I'll get it Saturday and then April 24th. Boom, boom, I'm done. We'll probably be seeing each other sometime soon as work opens back up. Who the who the heck knows? But it's there hasn't really been anything in this NCAA tournament to me that has separated it from others. I, I feel like we try getting deep into the stats and the buzzer beaters and how many we've had and double digit seeds going through. We always get some upsets. Oregon state to me, we talked about Oregon state and Georgetown going in. Those are not true 12 seeds. They're major conference teams. They found their stride way late in the year and they had which to be put really, right there. You know, which is really odd because major conference 12 seeds usually don't do very well. And we saw the two extremes. We saw we one did. that just got blown it, out <laughs> George, by Colorado. Georgetown and then the other one makes well. a run. Like, it was just a complete two – like, Georgetown is what we usually see with the type of teams that make the 12 seed. Oregon State was a complete opposite. And honestly, if you looked at the statistics of people, especially I was looking at ESPN in terms of their numbers on teams or percentage of teams that went to a certain spot in the tournament. And I saw, like, uh, Georgetown had, like, a 12.1% of brackets going to the Sweet 16 versus Oregon State was one of the lowest 12 seed upset picks. Like, it just – it was all over the map. Yeah, and, you know – we're really just a bunch of blowhards when it's all said and done predicting things. Time. There's a couple things like you can hang your hat on Gonzaga and you can really have the opinion on like the best team and if it's their year and you can you can center in on some of the blue bloods because naturally, of course, it's going to be a couple of ones and maybe a two. And, that, and here you go with an 11 that that sneaks its way in. But we had the thing this year where one of the best teams in the country, my pick and a lot of people's pick, Illinois, just pissed down their leg and got really dismantled by a good team and Loyal's a good team and that was a problem the number eight Ken Palm team should in no way be an eight or a nine seed you should be taught and I get it it's a different strength of schedule different conference so dock them right. like two or three seed lines for that that still would put them at like a five for me at worst that was just a, an egregious mistake but it's been a great tournament it's it's had similar things that every tournament has had that's why we love it there's always unexpected things that happen you can light your bracket on fire or the other games that you play I know you and I were doing the player pool thing you're doing very poorly I'm doing quite well either the, even, yeah even though I'm not I, gonna uh, win so what I 
yeah, I definitely suffered from all the upsets that we had early on. So you that sure was, did, man. You didn't you didn't great. get a Zag or a Baylor Bear. That was the that was the deal. They didn't. Well, fall, you know, I, I, tr- you. I trust I trusted a hot Illinois team that won like fourteen of fifteen, and then they <laughs> go and just lay it. Why not? Why not? So so you take a twenty a game guy for the best team in the country, second best team in the country, going into the tournament. But hey, yeah. uh, hey, real quick, Roy Williams retires we're gonna have one of those jobs I've as a basketball fan I know you're the same way Roy leaving Carolina Duke uh, Duke leaving my it really is like Duke leaving Coach K I think I said it the right way instead of Coach K leaving Duke but those are really the two ones that really make you sit back and say oh holy shit who uh who are they gonna go and try and get I don't even really know if there's an option out there to follow up the act that that Roy Williams gave to North Carolina with three national championships. It's it's I wish he would have done something for Kansas. That son of a <laughs> but glad he did something for that other blue colored school out there. It was always fun covering games there. And congrats to Roy on a legendary Hall of Fame career. Yeah, no, I'm just kind of glad because the name that I thought of right away is I got scared because this, there's only two jobs that I really see Chris Holtman even considering leaving for, and that was North Carolina and Kentucky. I thought those are the only two schools that he would really consider. Yeah. And that's that's not a name I haven't heard. I haven't heard it anywhere yet, which no. I'm glad about. I'm kind of surprised that his name hasn't been thrown anywhere. But it seems like consistently we're getting a lot of in-house names, which I didn't really think that would be the path that North Carolina would zone in on. But, hey, if they want to do that and go get a – I think that the clear name that I'm hearing over and over is Wes Miller down at UNC Greensboro. Yeah, that's, um, that's a big step. That's a big step from UNCG straight up to is. the big one. I know he played there, and Hubert Davis is one that's out there too and being the, the bench coach there. But you would you would think about the biggest and the best. I mean, you would think Tony Bennett. You would think I, Mark Few. You would think right. Scott Drew. You would, you would want to go, man, I – I just don't don't know if there's an in-house name that can fill those shoes. I really don't think so right now. I agree agree with you. I I think if you did, it would have to be Wes Miller. But honestly, the name I thought of when I first heard the news, but it then went away about 30 minutes later, was Chris Beard because then he took the Texas job. Yeah, sure. And now he's out the market. That was kind of my number one guy for them. And now he's gone. Like, and Chris is fantastic, right? He's got swagger. He's he's kind of an it factor coach. He's done it with Texas Tech, gotten them to almost a, a, a title win, got them, to, got them to the last game. And, I, I mean, I thought he'd be a great one for Indiana. Like, if Indiana could go and get somebody, I thought Beard, with his college hoops experience, would have been just completely fantastic. But, yeah, when Shaka leaves, good good idea, Shaka, to get the heck out of there, go back home to Marquette, because, I mean, the bell was going to toll for the real soon but right. uh, we could do some more of this on the next pod, Evil. But a lot going on with college basketball coaching carousels in the off season. We can hop on next week and talk about some of the Buckeye roster moves. It's fun, man. It's like almost an NFL free agency when the season ends. Transfer portal now fills up. Coaching carousel. The UNC job is open. It's fantastic. I can't. I can't wait. Yeah, you have over a thousand names. I did think uh, Dana Altman was another name that I thought of, but it doesn't seem like he's eager to leave the West Coast anytime soon, which is kind of yeah. interesting. Oregon's beautiful. Um, you got resources, lovely place yeah. to be. Yeah, Nobody, I don't blame no one him. notices you. No one notices you out there. Which which can be a good or a bad thing. I know uh, we had Dan Dockich on earlier today when this podcast is being recorded, and he says one of the things that Mark Few loves about being up at Gonzaga is you can beat anybody without the rabid fan base behind you. 
and you don't have everybody with their eyes on you 24 seven. Like, honestly, that's kind of, I think in fold of what Dana Altman might be preferring out there. Um, but yeah, no, you said it, uh, Ohio state already got a transfer garden. I am, uh, wow. You don't want to see anybody leave. I believe Lucy Jalla opens up the possibility that you have to. And I think it is a complete failure if Ohio state does not add a guy over six foot seven, uh, for that final roster spot with that scholarship. Um, over six, you, seven, I'm thinking like over six, nine and hopefully well, over that's, six, that's 10. That, that's what you prefer. <laughs> yeah. I, that's I, what you prefer. Just but, get I the mean, other Penn state dude. I mean, you already reached out to him. Seems like a package deal uh, unless he has some sort of problem with Jamari Wheeler that I don't know about, but just go no, and get a guy that could I, be an eight and eight, nine and nine dude, protect the rim. Give I, you solid play down there. I want that guy from Georgetown. Actually, he's six eleven. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll butcher his name, but it's Kadeus Wahab or something like that. I don't know. He averaged like 13 points a game for G town. So we'll get, I we'll get Barkley to help us. <laughs> uh, Walker uh, Kessler from UNC is an interesting name. He's seven foot one. Didn't get a whole lot of time behind Garrison Brooks and uh, Armando Baycott down there. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of options out there. I, I think it's just going to depend on, and then they could also go the freshman route. I know that Efton Reed out of Virginia uh, down at, I think he's playing at ING Academy maybe, but he's also a guy that you could look at in the French, uh, the freshman pool. Episode 46. We got your final four breakdown. We talked a little bit about the uh, beginning of the offseason craziness. Evil, it was always good to see you, man. I know you got some things going on. We'll let you run. Uh, may, how about this for my Gonzaga payment? Maybe I, I, lo <laughs> I love the guys at the V Foundation since I worked back there. I, I got to know some of there them. Maybe a donation to the V Foundation for cancer research and a lunch for you. Something because we do this together. I got to pony up and do something. So lunch anywhere you want outside of Hyde Park. Keep it like keep oh, it keep easy. it on planet that's Earth. Easy. Like as far as I hate that like you lose a lunch bet and someone's like, okay, well, we're gonna go get lobster and steak and lots of leftovers. It's like no 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 regular lunch, just yes. like that, and a little donation. So we'll we'll do it that way, and we'll see everybody next time on Mad About Hoops. <laughs>